Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Go ahead and turn your Bibles into Matthew 7, our foundational passage of scripture. We're actually wrapping up a six-part series. It's taken us eight weeks, but we had a break in between, but we're kind of finishing our series. Well, we are finishing our series called Building a Great Life. And the whole premise, the whole point is looking into the word of God and finding instruction on how we can apply the principles and truths of God's word to our everyday life, to live the life God always intended. Uh, You know, and talking about building a great life, God has a great great life in mind and plan for each and every one of us. And he's giving us, given us the blueprints, uh, the, the uh, instructions on how to achieve that. He just needs you and I to do it, to put it into practice, to follow the plan. How many of you guys ever put something together and all of a sudden you got leftover parts, it's not working like it should. And I did that one th- with one of my daughters uh, several years ago, had a, a scooter, one of those kick scooters, and I left one bolt out, and it never worked, and I don't know what I did with that bolt, and I never read the instructions. I think, oh, how hard can this be? And it never worked, never, never. That was wasted money. And I think of how many things that we really, time and energy and effort, we waste in our life because we just didn't follow the instruction. And so if we'll learn to apply the word of God to our life when it comes, then we will live a more victorious life. So really kind of, how do you wrap up the end of a series What really has been on my heart to share is just this idea of how do we close the gap between the information we've already received and living it out in our lives. Because we're not just supposed to be a hearer of the word, the Bible says, because honestly, it doesn't do you a whole lot of good unless you apply the word. So we need to not only hear something, but we need to then apply it to our life. And then we need to understand that typically for you and I, that's the struggle from what we hear, from the time we hear something, the time we put it into practice. And there's a lot of reasons why, and we'll talk about one today. We just are busy with so many other things. Or we place priority on other things, and we need to get things back in order. So we wanna narrow the gap between intentions and actions today in our message. In order to do that, we need to get our priorities straight. We need to walk in wisdom with our priorities. So Matthew 7 talks about wisdom. It says this, therefore every man who hears these words are the words of God and puts them into practice is like a wise man. It's wise. Wisdom comes from more than just natural thinking and natural processes. It is really divine. It's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. It's a strong foundation. Again, realize that the strongest foundation, the only foundation that will stand the storms of life is the foundation of God's word. It's not the foundation of man's wisdom or our politically correctness or anything else you want to apply there. It is simply the word of God. It is the only thing that has the ability to withstand the storms of life. And it goes to say, the rain will come, the streams will rise, the winds will blow and beat against the house, but it will not fall because its foundation is on the rock. Listen, it will not fall because its foundation is on the rock. It's not going to stay standing because you want it to stay standing. It's not going to stay standing because you think you deserve for it to be standing because I've been so good. It's not going to stay standing because things have been so bad, God at least has to have mercy or pity on you. It's not going to stay standing because it stayed standing for everybody else. It's only going to stay standing because the foundation and it's built upon, come on. And that's based on what are you willing to do with the word of God that you receive, And a wise man will apply it. And that's really what wisdom is. It's the application of the knowledge. But wisdom is something more. It comes somewhere else. Psalms 90, 12 says this. Talk about the importance of wisdom. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And I love this scripture because really it's the psalmist saying, Lord, we need your help to recognize that our days really are numbered. 
Our days, life is a vapor here. It's a mist, the Bible says. So our days are numbered. Lord, we need your help to put them in the right order. We need your help to live them the way you intend because we need to make the most of our life here on the planet. In light of eternity, our lives are short. They're a vapor. Therefore, we need to live them right. So that, it says there at the end of that scripture, if you don't mind putting that back up, so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. In other words, we don't necessarily need more information but we need wisdom to know how to live what we already know. We need wisdom to live what we already know. And so wisdom comes from God because the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning or the reverential respect of God is the beginning of wisdom. So the more that we love, engage, respect our Father God, building a loving relationship, the more we'll be able to apply or be motivated to apply the promises, truths, and principles of his word to our life and continue to build that foundation. So we need to understand that. So God gives us wisdom, which is the ability to apply what's important. Now, before I go further, I want you to realize something because we're talking about putting things in order. And what we need to realize that no matter whether you know Jesus is Lord and Savior or not, you are a spiritual being. And so the Bible says at some point in time, when life on this earth ends, some that know Jesus as Lord and Savior will go to heaven, and those that reject him will go to hell. There is no in-between. There is no, there, there's nothing else. It's either heaven or hell, because we're spirit beings. Our body will go back to the dust from which it came, the scripture says. And so again, for those who know Jesus will go to heaven, your spirit man for eternity. Those who do not will end up in hell. So as a pastor, let me just say, heaven's the better choice. Can I just say that? And if you don't know Jesus today, you'll get a chance at the end to know where your eternity will lay. And so I wanna say that because I think we live our life thinking that we are natural beings having temporary spiritual experiences. Like this morning. I think we think we're a natural being and I came to church this morning and I had a temporary spiritual experience in this time of worship. And then I go out as a natural being and I live my life the way I wanna live my life. And that's wrong thinking, that's things out of order. But the right and proper order is you are a spiritual being having temporary natural experiences on this earth. Life is a vapor. And so the Bible says that God blesses that which is in order. So if you are in order with God's order, he will bless that. So if you come from the mindset, I'm a spiritual being having temporary natural experiences, then you will operate in a way that you'll be able to close the gap between intention and application. And so what we need to understand is you and I are spiritual beings and our order comes spiritual first always should be spiritual first. In every area of your life, think about order in your home. There is a natural order. We talked a little bit last week. One's not better than the other. One's maybe more responsible than the other according to the word of God and the order of God. You talk about order in your finances. The Bible says to bring the tithe. First, bring your first fruits. There's an order, financial order according to God. And he says, when you do, I'll open the window of heaven and pour forth a blessing you cannot contain. There's an order in your personal life. God first and then everything else. And when it's God first, he blesses it. Can you see God, is a, God blesses order, he's a God of order. And so we are spiritual beings having natural experiences. And so when we get that in the proper order, we'll live differently and we'll live more wisely. Because then we'll be more apt to have that heart that will apply the information or close the gap between or intent and application. So it's important for us to understand. So building your spiritual life will impact everything else. Now, now having said that, 
I want you to really listen for just a second because then our natural response would be that this, and a lot of people attempt to do more spiritual things. Then I just need to do more spiritual things. I need to go to church more. I need to read my Bible more. I need to pray more. And those are great things. And I would say, yes, absolutely. Who doesn't need to do that? And those are great things. But if you do that without really falling in love with Jesus or being genuinely in love with God, Christianity will be a burden to you. You can go to church all you want to go to church, you can pray all you want to pray, and you can read the Bible all you want to read the Bible, but if your priority relationship is not God and a loving, genuinely growing, passionately, madly in love with Jesus, those things eventually, even though they seem spiritual, will become a burden to you. And if they're a burden to you, you won't want to do them any longer, or you won't get anything out of them. Well, I come to church all the time, but nothing good's going on in my life. Well, where's your relationship with God? Because you need to connect with him first and foremost. Are you with me? So we need to get things in order, and then we need to spend our time working on the things that matter. So in closing this all up, uh, this series up, I want to make sure because the pushback on all the things maybe that we've talked about, we, I just don't have time for that. Honestly, we don't have time not to do that. And so it needs, you and I need to evaluate things based on the scripture and make sure things are in order and then put our time, energy, and effort where things really matter. And so that's, let me, let me take it another step further. Okay, so that's what it means when God looks down from heaven. When God looks down from heaven and sees you and I, what does he see first? He sees our heart. Now understand that. He's not looking at your deeds or your works. He's looking at the heart of man. So that's a big deal because we can do all these other things we just discussed and, and give demissions and go do all that and serve over the children's and do all that and say, look what I'm doing, I'm serving you, God. I'm giving God, I even gave extra into this, into the building, I'm doing all this, God. But if our heart's not there with him, he doesn't see that. But what he's concerned about is the heart of man. So God looks down from heaven and he sees order. Is this in the proper order? If my heart is passionately pursuing a loving relationship with God, then the outflow of my proper order will be deeds and works without really even trying to do those things. Are you with me? And so when we work on getting those things in the right order, spiritual first, growing, loving relationship with God, then the natural things will come as an outflow of that loving relationship. And God looks down and sees our heart and then he blesses everything that we do. But let's not get it reversed. Let's not be natural beings having temporary spiritual experiences and trying to make our even quote unquote spiritual works and deeds impress God. It doesn't. How do we close the gap between intention and application? We make sure, first of all, that we are passionately in love with our Savior, Jesus Christ, every single day, that we're living a spiritual first life and everything else will flow in the natural out of that. So building a great life is putting things in order, spiritual first, then natural. We need to understand that. Uh, So how do you know things are in order? Well, hold on, let me back up for a second. Matthew 22, 37 through 38. Jesus replied, here's, he's giving us order right here. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And he says this, and that's the first and greatest commandment. It's just as good as it gets, that's the order. Love God with everything. So how do we know if we have things in order? That's a million dollar question. Well, let me answer that two ways, two things, two indicators. Number one is how do you spend your time? How do you spend your time? Because how you spend your time is an indicator of what's your priorities, is it not? Because we make time for what's important to us, do we not? We all do, right? We hear that all the time. Well, you'll make time for what's important to you, so do that. 
Number one, how we spend our time. So honestly, if you were to give me your daytimer, I don't know if they have daytimers anymore, if you were to give me your electronic device with a calendar on it, that, that is your life. <laughs> if you were to give me that and I looked at it, I could probably tell you what is a priority in your life, easily. What's the second way? How do we determine how, what the order is in our life? I'll tell you the second way to do that is not only how we spend our time, but the second way is how we spend our money. Exactly. Now, we already talked about that, but the Bible says where your treasure is, then your heart will be. Not where your heart is, your treasure will be. My heart is with you, God, but I'm not really giving in to your work. Because God's looking down and seeing the heart, right? He's like, no, 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 because your heart's where your treasure is. So you can give me your day timer and you can give me your checkbook and I can tell you what's in order in your life and what's not, honestly. Not to be judgmental, but just to be real practical and be real biblical, I can see where it is, where the priorities are in your life. Now we're talking about divine order brings the blessings of God. So we talked about the, the financial thing uh, a couple weeks ago and I encourage you to go back and, and listen to that. But today we're gonna talk about the other time. And so uh, it's like this, priorities. Maybe you've heard about the man, maybe you heard the story, man, a couple years ago at the Super Bowl, going to the Super Bowl, had Super Bowl tickets, which cost thousands of dollars. I mean, just thousands of dollars, it's crazy how much they cost. And so he was at the Super Bowl game but he, and he had an empty seat next to him. Well, a gentleman behind him saw that there's this empty seat and it just kind of boggled his mind. How could there be an empty seat at the Super Bowl? I mean, there's never enough tickets. People pay outrageous prices to go and yet in front of him is a man with an empty seat. So he couldn't resist any longer and at halftime, he tapped the man on the shoulder and he said, sir, he goes, why, if you don't mind me asking, why, why do you have an empty seat? I mean, it's the Super Bowl. And the guy looked at him and said, well, that was for my wife but she's passed away. And so the man then felt kind of bad and he looked at the guy and he said, I'm really sorry, I'm really sorry to hear that. And so he sat back for a few minutes and then he leaned up and said, no disrespect, but surely you have lots of close friends and lots of close family. You have people really close to you. I mean, these tickets are thousands of dollars. And he said, oh yeah, I do. I have lots of close friends and family, but they're all at the funeral. (laughs) A little out of order there. I thought it was time to throw a little laughter into there for you. Okay, here we go. Proverbs 17, 24 says this. An intelligent person aims at wise action, but a fool starts off in many directions. We don't want to end up like that guy. We want our priorities right. So when God looks down from heaven, he sees us, he sees how we're spending our time, and then he speaks to us. Listen to what he says. He looks down, he sees us, he sees how we're spending our time, and then he says something to us. He says Ephesians 5. Take a look at Ephesians 5. Verse 15, he's saying from heaven as he's looking down seeing how we're spending our time, be careful, be very careful then how you live not as unwise but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity, hold on to that for a moment, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish but understand what the Lord's will is. He's saying be careful, make the most of every opportunity. New King James Version says this, redeeming the time. Redeeming the time. What God wants us to look at, what he wants us to do is to look at our lives and examine how we spend our time. And he gives us, now listen, according to the New King James Version, God wants us to examine how we're spending our time and he gives us the ability to redeem our time. That means, that's important to you when I, it's like, well, I just wasted this, I wasted that. Hey, okay, okay, but we start from here and live forward. He gives us the opportunity or the ability to redeem our time. Make the most of redeeming your time. That means, redeem means to buy back. Put in proper order. 
to put in proper order. He gives us the opportunity to redeem our time and that means to put back in the place it ought to be. You and I can redeem our time because it's been one way for so long doesn't mean it has to be that way forever. Redeem it back. Put it back in the right order. I don't care if you spent time over here and time over here your whole life. I spent time being this way, being this person. Stop it then. And we'll talk about putting it back in order. You have the ability to redeem your time. That's good news. I love that. Hey, that's what God did for us. We're redeemed by the blood of the lamb. We're bought with a price of Jesus, amen? And he did that to put us back to our original intent. That's good news. He bought us back and put us right back to our original intent to fulfill the blessing and calling of God in our life. So in order to build a great life, we all need to examine our lives, our time, and redeem it, make the most of every opportunity. Why? Because the days are evil, and oh, is that so true today? I mean, if, that's not, if you don't think that's true today, go back and read the article that talked about 49 people getting killed in Orlando. I mean, I'm a news guy. I look at the news all the time, but I gotta tell you, I'm really having a hard time. I don't even wanna turn the news on anymore. It's the world we live in, but let's make the most. Let's redeem our time, buy it back, and apply it to things that really matter or make a difference. So let's look at some practical reminders. Just some reminders about time. You all know these. I just think it's important to go look at them every once in a while. Number one, our time is our most valuable asset. Without question, hands down, the most valuable asset we possess is our time. Now I heard somebody say this one time, you can always get more money, but you can't get more time. You cannot get more time. Guess what, they're not making any more, they're not adding to it. So you only get 1,440 minutes a day. You will never get 1,441 <laughs> or more. That's all you get. So we need to place a high level of importance on time and not waste it. You can redeem it, start doing it, put it back the right way, put it back in the right proper order, but you don't get more. Let me give you the next one. You cannot manage time. You can only manage opportunities. So some of you say, no, I took a time management course. (laughs) But I would say this, even Einstein agrees that time management is an oxymoron because in order to manage something, you gotta be able to control it. You can't slow it down and you cannot speed it up. Is that not true? You have no control over time. Whether you want it to or not, it's gonna keep going. But what you can do is you cannot manage time, but you can manage opportunities. You manage the things that happen in time. You manage the opportunity, you make the most of every opportunity. You redeem every opportunity. All you can do in the middle of time is realize your opportunities right in front of you and live it more effectively. Uh, Let me remind you of this one. We can't do everything. Quit trying. It's not doing you any good. That's a whole message or series in and of itself. But you can't do everything. And real wisdom exists in the elimination of non-essentials. Real wisdom exists in the elimination of non-essentials. That means this. Not only should you have a to-do list, you should have a not-to-do list. Because you know the things in life that are time wasters that we keep doing over and over again put them on a not to do list and then go back regularly and check those because things change and priority change. So we need to not only be to do list people, we need to be not to do list people. Why? Because time is so important. People who get a lot done have a to do and a not to do list. They know what takes away from their real purpose. Now this one really came to light uh, life reality for Jessamy and I probably about three years ago, in fact it was the summer, 
probably three summers ago. I remember very vividly, like it was yesterday, sitting on the bed in our room one night and just both of us just coming to this place of tears and just frustrated and overwhelmed and stressed out and burned out and tired and just on and on and on the list would go and many of you would say exactly the same thing. And we realized that we had got to make some, we have got to make some changes. We can't do everything. It's too much. God's not asking us that anyways. And we really came to the reality of we have got to get things in order. It's going to be either harmful for us or harmful for the church. And so we made some really tough decisions based on this. We can't do everything. So what is it God's asking us to do? And let's do that to the best of our ability. So we started making changes in our family. I don't know what it would look like for you, but you have to do those for your own family. We started eliminating some things. We sat down with the girls. We eliminated things like just our conviction was based on our time and purposes and God. Uh, We started eliminating sports. Our our children are, are great athletes and I am a sports junkie. But in light of everything else we were doing, we thought that was a place we needed to make a decision and they agreed to cut. Now we had other things like lessons, voice lessons and different things that they're both involved in. But we had to make some things of hobbies. We had to cut some, some uh, you know, uh, recreational things, if you will. Uh, we had to cut some things. And we had to look not only of our personal life, but our church life. And can I just say this? I think the first place people cut, which is a big mistake, is church activities. Because understand, if we are spiritual being first, the last thing that we should cut are the things that feed and, fill, feed and build our spirit man. And that's one of the things that church does. And so, but sadly, too many people get so busy with other things in life, I think they need to look at the priority list again, get things in God's divine order, and they cut some things that they probably shouldn't. Well, not only did we have to live that out as a family, but we had to live that out as a church. We realized that, that the same thing translated over into church for us. And so three years ago, if you've been here during that time or before that, you realized lots of change in three years. Well, we changed it for the better. We got things in what we believe is a proper order. And God's blessing is upon that. We've seen God's blessing in that time. But we had to be very intentional, very purposeful in prayer and planning. We evaluate and reevaluate. And we aren't going to do things because we've always done them that way. Because times change and priorities change, and so we need to be wise enough to understand the purposes and plans of God to make the correct adjustments, because time is valuable. And so we've made some changes. We've made some changes some people probably perhaps haven't really liked a whole lot, but we've seen the fruit of that, and that's what happens. In fact, it's interesting what we've been doing is doing, in a sense, we're doing um, less things, but we're doing them a whole lot better. Come on. And because we're doing them a whole lot better, we're doing exponentially more than we ever could by doing all these things. Why, because you can't do everything. God doesn't call you to do everything, he doesn't call church to do everything. That's why he's got a whole bunch of churches, that's why there's 80 to 100 churches in this one little area alone in New Braunfels. Not even counting the surrounding area. Because they have different purposes and different things God's called them to. And so, sometimes I've had to say no to a lot of good things to say yes to a few great things as a family and as a pastor. And I know, and people will say this, people don't expect you to do everything. Come on, you know this. They just expect you to do their thing, right? I mean, you know what I'm talking about, right? I don't expect you to do everything, just mine, right? You, we, can't, we can't go there. We can't live that way. We can't do everything. One more reminder about our time. We need to decide what is important and then manage the decision, that decision daily. We need to make some decisions, what we did as a family, make some decisions and as a church, and then we manage it daily. We don't make daily decisions per se because we've already made the decision, now we do daily disciplines. And so we get things in a proper order, we've made some big decisions. Once you make that decision, you'll need to go back and look at it every once in a while because things change and priorities change and seasons change and we evaluate and reevaluate, but now all you have to do is make some disciplines throughout the day to stay in line with the decision you've already made. 
And so just some reminders. I know I haven't shared anything you don't know, but I'm, again, stressing the importance of time and how can we close the gap between intention and application? And so I want us to look at a few things. I really want to give you uh, three things this morning that I hope that you include on your list. I hope that you'll apply these to your list, your life. And the number one thing, the first thing rather, let me give you point number one, is make time for renewal. Make time for renewal. This is a big one. God is all about renewing you. He is. Why? Because we need to be renewed. Because we live in a world that's pulling on us, sucking the life out of us all the time. And so God needs us to be renewed. He wants us to be renewed. We live in a world, we live in a generation of people that are going way too fast, faster than ever before. You know, if you look at Luke 21, for time's sake, will not, you can write down Luke 21. You'll see one of the other, we've already talked about one place in the Bible that says be careful. One of the other few places in the Bible that gives that warning, in Luke 21 it says be careful or the cares of this life or the pace of this life, another translation would say, will weigh you down with stress and anxiety. It will close on you like a trap. What the implication there is, you need to be careful about the cares or pace of this life because without even realizing it, you'll find yourself burdened and then it'll be too late. It's literally what it means. Without even realizing it, the trap will close, it'll be too late. So you need to be very, very careful about the pace of life, the scripture says. You need to make sure that you do not forget the spiritual principle of rest. Come on, you realize rest is a spiritual principle. I'm gonna teach a whole series. Setting this out, looking at my own life, what we've walked through, I'm gonna teach a series on rest. And it need to be the best, maybe the best attended series we've ever had because it's something we really need to look at. You need to make sure that you do not forget the spiritual discipline of solitude, the spiritual discipline of quietness. You realize Jesus did this throughout his ministry. He got up early and went to a solitary place, a quiet place. Why? Because he needed to be renewed. He needed to be refreshed for what the day held, what, what came after that. And I just want to say this, this generation I don't think really knows anything, knows how to sit still or be still. And if they find a moment, this generation finds a moment of quietness, solitude, or stillness, they're getting their phone out and getting on social media. That's one of the biggest enemies of this principle right here. And we're missing times of renewal. We're missing times to be still and know that he is God. It's in there for a reason. You know, in 21 days of prayer and fasting we do in January, we we do prayer and fasting in January. And uh, there's a lot of things associated with fasting. It's not just a food principle, it's the principle of fasting. You eliminate some things so you can spend some more time connecting with God. And so we do that, and my family typically will eliminate a few food items, but we typically will eliminate like electronics, like TV and social media and all those things, except what we need to do to work, et cetera. So we eliminate a lot of that. And can I tell you, for the first couple of days, it's miserable at my house, right? Everybody's grumpy and grouchy. We don't wanna be around each other. You know, it's like, what are you doing? We're just sitting and look at each other. It's so quiet, we're so bored for the first few days. But then we begin to talk, because there's nothing else to do, right? And I, I, I suddenly, I'm like, what's your name again? Are you the oldest or are you the youngest? I'm like, I'm not really, really sure. But by the time 21 days is up, man, that's a refreshing time for my family, can I just say? And so we've really connected. We've been renewed as a family. It's the same principle with the Lord and with others. So it's important. God wants you to be renewed. That's why he set the principle in place. He wants you to understand if you go into life more rested, more sharper, sharper, more thought put into your life, then you'll actually accomplish more. 
Someone said this, or a magazine said this, America is in the decade of fatigue. We're all worn out. And it's interesting, in, in reading and studying, you see things like when computers first came on the scene and we're gonna put a computer in every home, they thought that was gonna lessen the work week. They were gonna take a 40-hour work week to a 30-hour work week because so much more was gonna be accomplished through computers. Did anybody think that ever really worked out? I mean, I think it's made more work than, than ever before. And now we're not just working at work, we're working at home. We're working on weekends and family time. Look what Paul said, 2 Corinthians 4.16 says this, therefore we do not lose heart. He never lost heart in the midst of his struggles and chaos and the turmoil that was his world. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed. How often? Day by day. Paul found the secret to keeping his heart in the midst of chaos and craziness. It's renewing his heart day by day, every day. He never lost heart, he renewed daily. Psalms 23, two through three says this. He makes me lie down. This is a beautiful psalm. Everybody should know this psalm or have it printed somewhere. He being God makes me, listen, makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me, where? Beside quiet waters. He, what, refreshes my soul. God is a God of renewal. He wants to renew you. And if you don't even believe that, think about the 10 commandments. Go back to the beginning there when Moses led the people out. The first thing he did was establish a principle, principles to live by, 10 principles to live by. When they were delivered out of bondage, out of slavery, he established the first thing, 10 principles to live by. Number four on the list was honor the Sabbath. Sabbath means rest or to cease. Ten commandment, the fourth ten commandment is remember the Sabbath. It's listed, listen, it's listed before don't murder. It's listed before don't kill people. I guess because if you're rested, you won't. I don't know. Maybe you're a little more patient. I don't know. It's listed, it's listed before murder. It's listed before don't commit adultery. It's listed before don't steal, before don't lie, before don't covet. It's listed up above the top. That's pretty important but it may just be the one we consistently violate. Sabbath means to rest or to cease. What it literally means is to stop and recognize that you can't do anything unless God gives you the strength to do it. You know, when we were in Israel, we were um, headed um, to, uh, I think we were headed to the Dead Sea, actually. And so we had a few stops along the way. And uh, one thing that the tour guide kept saying is like, we need to be really timely, really timely, because we need to get to our hotel before six o'clock, because then it was, it was the Sabbath. And we had to be there before six o'clock, because then, then everything kind of shut down, because the Sabbath. They, a lot of them still... Uh, adhere to this principle literally there. And in fact, in our hotel, which I think was like 10 or 15 stories tall, there was a Sabbath elevator. And the elevator, you'd get in it and it stopped at every single floor. Didn't matter. You got on there on the first floor and if you were on the 10th floor, you stopped at every floor. The reason was because you didn't have to push a button. Because that was work. Well, that's the Sabbath. That may be not what we're looking at. It's the principle we're looking at, right? Don't do unnecessary. They thought I was not doing necessary things, but I thought... I'm not ever getting on that elevator. Don't ever put me on that elevator. I'll go crazy by floor like seven, every floor. I'd be back up to the murder part. I don't know, but anyway, so. All right, look what Jesus said, Mark 2, 27. Look what Jesus said. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The renewal, the blessing, the refreshing was made for you. It wasn't some rule God wanted us to serve. It's for our benefit. It's for our benefit. 
Number two, let me give you the second one. Make time for reward. Make time for reward. And what I mean by that is to make sure you're doing things that make a difference. Make sure you're doing things that really matter, that actually matter. Make sure what you do makes a difference in eternity. Because here's what I promise you. If you chase things that don't actually matter, you will end up miserable, burned out, fatigued, frustrated, angry, grumpy. Because the only thing that will really truly satisfy or bring fulfillment is doing what you were created to do. And that's make a difference. Look what King Solomon wrote. He had anything and everything anybody could ask, hope, or dream of. And yet he wrote this in Ecclesiastes 1.14. I have seen all the things that are done under the sun. I've seen it all. I have it all. I can do it all. I can buy it all. I can experience it all. But all of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Everything under the sun, temporary. None of that really mattered. Because what he realized is we're created to make a difference. If you're not doing things that make a difference for eternity, you're not spending your time the right way. You're not spending it wisely. Live for treasures in heaven. Live for the things that actually matter. Live for the eternal. First Timothy 6, 18 through 19 says this. Command them to be good. This is Pastor Timothy and Paul saying to him, here, you tell your church this. Command your congregants. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation of the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. We are looking for treasures in heaven and that is doing things that matter in eternity. And it says when we do that, then we will live the life that was always intended to live, the life that is real life, the Bible says. Now let me give you the last one. Make time for relationships, number three. And we have limited time and we need to make time for relationships need to be a priority. Make your relationship with God a priority. We've already talked about that. Number one priority in life is your relationship with God. Proverbs 10, 27, Living Bible says this, reverence for God adds hours to each day. Somehow he makes more way in your time. Why? Because you're doing what matters. You can accomplish more when you do what matters. Make relationships with God a priority and make relationships with people a priority. God matters and people matter. Join a small group. Small groups kick off next week. I don't have time for that. You know what? That's a place you need to spend your time, building relationships with others. You know, find a place to serve. I don't have time to serve. You really need to spend time to serve. That's a place that really matters. Creating opportunities for other people to be blessed and impacting their eternity. Wednesday nights, we talked about coming out next Wednesday night. Wednesday night, our, our summer nights, because we provide a dollar meal deal, has, our attendance has gone just way, way, way up. And we do it that way so people will stay and build relationship. You visit, you hang out, you have a good time, you meet people, you break down a church's size in smaller pieces, and you really build relationships. Why? Because God matters and people matter. Maybe we need to look at our schedules a little bit, make adjustments with our time. Hebrews says it this way, Hebrews 10, 25. Do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day, capital D, your last day approaching. It's saying the priority is to get together. God matters and people matter. Do what matters. What matters is relationships. Get things in order. God blesses order. Take the time to build your life on the things that truly matter. God is a good and faithful God. How do we close the gap between intent and application or action by doing the things that really matter. Get things in the proper order. Pursue the spiritual first because you're a spiritual being. That just makes sense. 
realize that you're a spiritual being having temporary, natural, earthly experiences. Get your mindset changed and apply these things that we just discussed here. Add those to your list. Be renewed. Find time. We all have to have time of renewal. What's interesting to me, the early church or the early Christians moved church services to Sundays. That's when, it, that's when they changed it. They changed it back then. Why? Number one, for the resurrection. <clears throat> and number two, because of the Sabbath, to be refreshed. Because they knew that was what would empower them for the upcoming week. That's what would refresh them to move forward energize them. See, really, Sunday's the first day of the week, is it not? Monday's the first work day because of the Sabbath. And so Sunday's the day of refreshing and renewing and getting things in order so you're ready for the rest of the week. I tell you, God honors his word. And when you apply his word to your life, he blesses it. He can't do anything but bless those that operate in his word. He's obligated to it. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.